Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Life is full of awesome what-ifs, and some not so much, like unexpected medical costs. That's why United Healthcare provides Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans to supplement your primary plan and help manage out-of-pocket costs. Learn more at uh1.com. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well. HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello HelloFresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Every team has their own wrestler. But this is for wrestlers everywhere. Wrestle hard. All right, guys, this is Mindset Mike, and I'm back today with uh, one of the most dynamic competitors in the sport of wrestling right now. 2016 Olympic bronze medalist, 2018 world champion, a three-time NCAA champion. On the mat, he's definitely a force to be reckoned with, and I think off the mat, you know, known for his charismatic personality and some interesting talents that uh, he possesses that very few wrestlers do. Um, we'll talk about his childhood. We'll talk about his wrestling at Mizzou, um, how he's bounced back for some difficult times in his life um, and his past few years on the senior level. Today, everybody, let's uh, give a warm welcome to Jaden Cox. Thank you for coming on, Jaden. I appreciate your time. No, thank you for having me. I'm, uh, I'm honored to be here. Oh, for sure. So, uh, first of all, you know, Jaden, I want to welcome you with a big congratulations on a great performance at Worlds. Um, you know, you battled through a lot to get there, and then in the tournament, you know, you suffered injury and were able to push through that. Uh, it seems like uh, apparently that's a, a recurring thing for you now. Um, <laughs> <laughs> you can't you can't do anything great without getting injured. It seems so. You know, can you tell us about your training leading up to the World Championships and your experience in Budapest? Um, well, the training was great. You know, um, I made a move from um, Columbia, Missouri to the to the Springs in Colorado. And, um, you know, um, Kevin Jackson took me under his wing and uh, was working with me every day. They got me set with uh, a weightlifting plan, got me set um, just working with him. Uh, you know, we just focused on things that we weren't really good at, for one. And then um, we looked to improve on areas even more so that I'd already um, had a lot of success in. Um, changing our mindsets in certain situations um, of the match um, that we were, you know, more likely going to see. Uh, you know, it was just an awesome uh, transition, and um, KJ definitely helped me a lot with that. And, um, you know, a lot of the guys here who are in the EAP program, um, they helped me out a lot, um, being my partners. And, and um, it was just awesome. It was like being on a team um, here at the OTC. So. What's the EAP program for those that don't know? So the EAP program is for developmental wrestlers, basically guys who are in high school still or making that transition from high school to college. Um, it's basically a program they get to come out here, live out here, um, and train with, um, with one of the best um, coaches out there with KJ and Bill Zadick and 
get more uh, international experience younger. Um, some of them may still go to college. Some of them may gray shirt, but um, you know, it's, it's a, it's a great way for guys to go out there and get really tough competition, get exposed to the international scene early um, and get great training and uh, prepare themselves for the next step, um, which is college wrestling and then have them already had a little taste of international wrestling. If they're ready to take that step after that. For sure. Um, before we get into, you know, a little bit more about you, you, you had mentioned here in your, in your talk about Budapest that you and KJ, you know, had worked to change mindsets in certain situations. Can you kind of talk a little bit more about that? Like what were the, what were the situations? What was the mindset shift and how did you accomplish that? Well, I think first, like the broad, the broad thing was just believing in your ability, um, believing in, in what you're capable of, um, not, uh, not belittling your, your talents. Uh, KJ did a really good job of, of the reassurance because I tend to sometimes, you know, I, I like I try to stay as humble as I can. But sometimes my when I'm doing that, I'm actually what I'm doing is I'm I'm putting down my ability or um, or I'm not uh, giving myself enough credit. Um, but being able to then say that I am capable of of doing what, what I do, I'm, I can go out there and I can do this and I'm going to go out there and do this um, and having that confidence behind it. Um, Kedja did a great job of reassuring me on uh, that, you know, you're capable of doing a lot and um, a lot more things and um, you can go out there and, and do your best um, and put your best foot forward. I think also like certain situations were like, instead of getting ones, let's get twos, you know, um, instead of pushing a guy out, let's take a, get the takedown and just working those positions. And, um, you know, uh, I think a big thing too, we did uh, was uh, conditioning. You know, we, we conditioned myself and that's another thing he had to reassure me on. Cause sometimes, I think a big thing, like people don't understand how much a mindset really plays into the physical part of it, right? Because if you believe you're tired, you'll you'll react that way. Your body will follow what your what you what your mind says. Um, so I mean, it's kind of like everything that I had to go through and that KJ was putting me through. He was trying to kind of just help me either change my view on things or um, or um, help me push myself to the next level. Absolutely. And I think that's it's such a true thing that she said too, you know, even <clears throat> even about cardio. Um, cardio can be similar to mindset. You're your 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 Achilles heel, um, or it could be one of your strengths and you can use it as a weapon. I think you know, those of you that are listening, you can think of some wrestlers even at the collegiate level where you know, cardio is probably their best weapon. If you look at some of the guys that won world championships or that succeeded on the for on the American team this past uh, this past world championships, cardio and pace played a big role in that. I think some of the international guys breaking down their lack of cardio or lack of ability to deal with being tired. It was a contributor to their success or failure. So I think that's a very good point. Um, I'm glad that you mentioned that. So when it comes to you, um, let's talk about your early days. You know, you came to Mizzou as correct me if I'm wrong, a four time state high school champion. Yes, sir. Okay. Um, talk to me about how you got started wrestling um, in your high school career. Talk to me about what that was like. Well, I mean, I got started wrestling really young. I mean, my parents, my, my uncle did it, and then my brothers did it, and I talked to my parents, and I was like, I want to do it. So um, I was kind of around it all the time. And, um, you know, coming up through high school, I think the, one of the biggest things was, um, I have to say, like Mike, Mike Ironman, um, who's, who's a great coach, um, he took me under his wing when I was nine and um, has been coaching me since, you know, since then, basically, you know, he's still a part of my life. We still talk, we still chat. I mean, a lot. I just love having that guy as a part of my life. 
And I mean, like he took me under his wing. And one thing he taught me was uh, that I, I think is really important for a lot of young wrestlers is how to be coachable um, and how to take a style from any person or anything that you learn from anyone and make it your own. And so that made it a lot easier for me to transition from, you know, kids club to high school, high school on to college and so on and so forth. So kind of like, you know, when you say taking someone's style, you mean watching other people wrestle and make that your own? Yeah. You know, like I think that people, people have very different ways of doing things. And uh, even though we do things similarly, I mean, I think that we don't, um, we don't do it exactly the same. How someone else does something may not be the same that you do something. Um, and you may tweak it. You got to find a way to make it your own, your own style, whether it be the way you set it up, whether it be the way you perform it. I mean, that's what makes wrestling such a great sport. I think there's so, there's really not a wrong answer. I believe any move, there's a time and a place for it. You just have to figure out where it fits in um, and when to hit it. Uh, so I think that makes the sport awesome. So I think, you got to figure out how to make things your own. Absolutely. You know, we have a, a couple of different worksheets. We talk about um, aggressiveness role models, toughness role models, technique role models. And that goes directly in, in what you're saying, you know, teaching, taking someone's style, not just, you know, the technique that they do, but the style of wrestling and the mentality that they have and making it your own. Who, who are some people that throughout your wrestling career you took from their style and incorporated that into who Jaden Cox is? Well, a big one is, I don't know if you know this, but like a lot of people kind of talk about my movement and stuff um, mm -hmm. and movement in my feet. Um, a lot of that came from, believe it or not, didn't come from a wrestler. It came from uh, Muhammad Ali. Um, that was someone that I, I watched YouTube videos of. I watched an auto and um, I watched, a, uh, was it an autobiography about it? You know, um, so, I mean, I, I, I was watching a lot of videos about him. So he really inspired me. As far as like, you can be a big guy, still be quick and agile. And then I remember in high school, I would uh, I would walk on my toes a lot. Um, I would jump rope all the time, and then I would try to incorporate, you know, the movement of my feet and these and these movements into my wrestling. So that was one of the biggest ones. Was actually um, it was a uh, Muhammad Ali definitely inspired me as far as as that went, you know, because he's a he's a heavyweight moving like you know like one of the smaller guys in boxing. And I was like, well, we can do that here. And so I try to incorporate that. Um, that's, that's funny. I remember at the Monterey clinic when you were, you were giving your, uh, your, your technique breakdowns and you were talking about how finish my sentence here. Cause I don't remember exactly what you said. You were talking about because you spent so much time walking and wrestling on your toes. You said you can essentially like cut down the amount of time that it takes you to, to, to take a shot or the explosiveness is great or something along those lines that, that something that you did in order to condition your body to always be on your toes allows you essentially to be the way that you are offensively. Can you talk a little bit more about that? Yeah. So like I, I did all that movement. So it takes away when I shoot, it takes away the kind of like the rocking back and forth motion, not mm -hmm. from, from going from my heels to my toes, just being on my toes and then going right into my shot. Um, on top of that, I believe that I'm also at the same time while I'm ready to be offensive, I'm also then prepared and ready to be defense, defensive as well. Mm -hmm. So I can shoot my legs back. It's very hard to sprawl when you're on your heels. Um, so I'm, I'm ready for both. And, uh, you know, it's just something that allows me to be prepared for every situation in wrestling. And I, I move quicker. Um, 
I'm always loaded and ready to go. I'm always having power within within my legs and ready to ready to explode when I need to, whether it be for an offensive motion, defensive motion, to move quick, um, to do whatever it is I have to do. So it always prepares me to be in the position I need to be in, um, to be explosive, powerful, and just ready to go. Footwork is definitely very overlooked, and that's something that I, as a as a club coach, I try to focus on a lot. This last year, the, as a, I traveled so much the last two years with wrestling mindset, I was in a lot of great rooms with a lot of great coaches. And something that I saw in common in all the best rooms with the best coaches, they had a very specific attention to footwork. And I feel like if you can, this generation, while we have a lot of athletes. We have a lot of people that are trying to wrestle and, and learn these athletic movements, but they can't move athletically. They, they can't move athletically yet. They, their, their hands and their feet don't work in coordination fast enough to be able to – and their body doesn't work in coordination. Their core strength isn't there to be able to accomplish some of these like very athletic movements versus you see you know, these big Russians – they're they're moving like little guys or you know like your example muhammad ali moving like little guys and a lot of that comes back to footwork and the athleticism that they develop so super cool i hope you guys that are listening paid attention to that and took some notes um it's funny that you immediately mentioned um mike ironman that was my next question was you know anyone that knows you know that knows that mike ironman played a big part in your life um and i saw i i saw and i heard some things funny things about i guess your uh, career and relationship together. You know, one of the things like when you started wrestling, you lost seven matches in a row. One time he actually pulled you from a tournament because you broke in a match and you felt like whether it was you or your coaches, you know, you readjusted your, you readjusted your approach to wrestling. He paid, I guess he sat you and he, he made you drill and wrestle right in front of him for the rest of that summer or the year. And that was when you guys felt like you made a very big transition and jumped levels. So w- what I'd like you to do is, Talk to you, talk a little bit about like what Mike has done for you in your life, what he means to you as a coach and more, um, what he's done for your mindset and maybe even talk a little bit about Jaden and, you know, your, your, all of y'all's relationship together. Well, I think one thing is that both of them are crazy. Um, (laughs) uh, they're both crazy and, um, I love them for it. Um, you know, Mike has been a a huge part of my life, both on and off the mat. I think, uh, you know, on the mat, he's just—he's just a ninja, man. He's—he's um—he knows the ins and outs, both mentally and physically. I mean, I think, um, you know, Mike, Mike has experienced a lot with his wrestling career as well, um, both mentally and physically. I mean, he's—he's he's someone who can um, inform you of of what you're thinking before you even think about it, or what's going to happen before it happens. He kind of can just has the ins and outs about it. Um, a big thing that he does that I, I really enjoyed, especially as a kid, was he would uh, talk to us, you know, uh, before practice. You know, practice is about to start in like 30 minutes or so, and he's sitting there just talking to us. And then it runs into practice, and he's and he's talking to us about matches and mindsets. And um, and not like preaching, but like having a conversation with us about it. Um, I remember, you know, he'd have us do things like sit in a split for for minutes, uh, a couple minutes before practice and just sit there and then try to go lower and lower. I mean, he just, in, we don't understand it. We're kids. We don't understand why. But then um, later on, you know, guys get into our legs and we're going to that position and realize, oh, there's a purpose. And, um, you know, I think with everything Mike was teaching us or telling us or, or having us do, there was a purpose behind it. It wasn't just, you know, and it wasn't all about working out. It wasn't all about the grind. It was, it was about becoming an all-around better wrestler and you know um we didn't have to run sprints all the time or we didn't have to grind our bodies into the ground we just learned how to wrestle 
um, and how to have a, a, a wrestling mindset. And, and not really even a wrestling mindset, just a mindset to go out there and enjoy it, to put on a show and enjoy what we do and, and, um, and, and look to dominate and enjoy that, that domination. Look and look forward to the match, not being in, in there scared, you know, because the next match is about to end in a minute and you're waiting. Um, but stand there excited and, 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 and pumped and be ready to take, take um, to place your foot on, on the line. You know, like I said, I've spent a lot of time traveling in the last two years and, and I've done it with very open and observant eyes and ears trying to figure out what do all these great coaches have in common and these great athletes and the coaches that built them, what do they have in common? And so the stuff that you're saying is very reminiscent to when I spent a week with the Sanderson family in Utah. Uh, Kyler became a good friend of mine this past year and him and Brad Pataki, I learned a lot from them, a lot more than just wrestling, but you know, about how they, how they are as human beings and coaches. And something that I learned that um, Kale's dad did for everybody is like you were saying, they were, you know, you should be excited to wrestle. You should enjoy that. It shouldn't be a nerve wracking thing. Um, You should go out there and perform. Well, they were saying Kale's dad, they never called it a tournament. It was a performance. Um, Practice was always a rehearsal. And when they're going out there like, Hey guys, it's, you know, we're, it's, we're, we're time, it's, it's, it's the exciting time of the week where we get to perform for our parents and showcase everything that we've been working about. It was always about performance and excitement rather than nerves and pressure. And I think that's a, you know, um, I, this generation of coaches, we can learn that from, you know, these other great figures. But these were guys that, I mean, for lack of better explanation, came up with it themselves. You know, this is what they, this is what their focus was on and look at the athletes that have come out of their programs. You know, obviously guys like you and Jaden, um, and then so many other, so many other athletes that he's built. And then the Sanderson family, you know, the boys, and then, you know, the team in Heber that was ranked top 10 twice, mm-hmm. um, all of those great clubs. So anyways, I hope that you, that you guys that are listening, you've probably heard the podcast that I did with Kyler and you've heard the things that I've talked about with regards to how these great families and great clubs handle themselves. So if you're not already applying these, this thought process, I hope, uh, you know, this is another incentive for you to do so. So now talk about Mizzou. You know, we talked about your, your career coming up. Now, what about at Mizzou? You know, you, those three national titles, um, we'll save the year that you didn't win for after, but three national titles, great performances. Uh, what did it take for you to mentally compete at such a high level for so long? And how do you feel like your experience at Mizzou prepared you now for the senior level? Well, I mean, I've, I've always had a – I think I've, one thing I've been blessed with is uh, coaches who've always pushed me to reach um, to reach my peak or my potential, my full potential, or as close to it as possible. Um, you know, coming through – I mean, high school, I had that with uh, J.D. Coffin and Ben Smith. Um, guys just wanting – they wanted to push me so far. Like they were bringing in, a, you know, uh, guys who are already done with college or just out of college to, to wrestle with me. And then getting into uh, getting into Mizzou, I mean, you're in a room full of great talent. You have no choice but to, um, you know, to uh, to grow um, and thrive. Um, you don't you don't have a choice really. It's it's uh, it's going to happen as long as you stick with it and you're committed to doing the right things and um, being a part of the of that program. So I mean, I think actually my freshman year, I had um, I had Sammy Henson, and you know, we talked about taking things from from coaches and and different wrestlers. Well, I think I think Henson installed, um, you know, a, a sort of toughness um, that within me that maybe I didn't have before. Um, 
I think that that was something that I took away from him because, you know, like I said, when we talk about Mike's training, like, like I said, we weren't running sprints. We weren't grinding. We were just learning how to become wrestlers. And I had that part when I was going in, into college and I've been growing with Mike for so long. So then when I got transitioned over and Henson's as, is, uh, is my coach as far as in the room, um, you know, he then installed the grind, you know, the, you're running sprints and you're, and you know, you're lifting weights for, um, for, you know, it's sets of 90. Um, you're doing, um, you're doing the mile runs as hard as you can, the seven mile runs. Um, and you're pushing yourself, you're doing the stadiums and everything. Um, and, and not only doing them, cause those were, those things were tradition for Mizzou to do, but, but doing them and trying to dominate that workout and, and get that toughness to push through it. Um, and so I think Henson definitely um, helped to install that. Um, and that's something I learned and took with me as well. Um, Smith um, led the program. Uh, it was a great program, both um, I think as, uh, as a man and as a wrestler. Uh, he definitely helped to focus on both um, as a man, as a wrestler, as a student, making sure that um, you represented yourself um, well on ev- in every aspect of life um, and talking with guys and, and helping guys um, reach their goals both on and off the mat. For sure. Um, you finished your freshman campaign as a national champ, but in your documentary, you talked about how you battled demons in dark times during that time. Um, you talked about, correct me if I'm wrong, the difference between joy and happiness and how people need to know that difference. Um, can you, can you tell us, you know, kind of share that experience for those of you that, for those that didn't get to watch that, uh, you know, the great documentary that Flo did on you. Um, kind of share that experience, what you battled through, and, you know, in the midst of seemingly, you know, having everything at your fingertips, that at least that's what everybody on the outside saw. Everybody else saw the happy, cheerful, you know, freshman national champion. What was going on in your life, and how did you, how did you bounce back from what you would call really dark times and, and struggling with demons? Well, if I'm honest, like, you know, um, I, I, bouncing back is the way you have to put it because I mean, dark times still linger within my life. Um, they don't, they don't just uh, disappear, and it's something that I'm, I'm trying to uh, definitely overcome. But I mean, uh, I think that like before, so my freshman year, I, I, it was actually just before my freshman year. So like, I think it was about a month before, maybe just a couple weeks before the season had actually kicked off. I, I was a uh, I actually ended up being put into a psych ward at, uh, at MU and, um, and it was something, uh, no, no, it was, um, it's definitely an experience I, I would love not to have, but, um, but, uh, I was in there and, and I remember Smith, um, visiting me and I had some other people visit me and, um, you know, I remember that, the, um, you know, the coaches and the, and the staff, you know, kind of just rallied around me. And, I, and honestly, I, I didn't know this till later on, but some of my teammates kind of understood and knew what was going on as well. And um, and now that I know that, it makes more sense that, um, you know, they kind of helped me um, overcome my demons as well and just kind of had my back through through some tough times for sure. Um, you know, bouncing back was more so um, – I remember when I came back to the team and I came back from there, I wanted so badly just to wrestle and get on the mat. But I think at the same time, and really when I know we're going to get into this later, but considering my sophomore year, I was really just um, I wanted to get on the map because I think wrestling was just my way of of burying what was wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and, you know, 
And it's something I'm still working on, still learning that that's not necessarily a healthy thing to do. And it's something that, um, but it's hard because especially whenever you've been doing it for so long, um, you know, it's a, it's a lesson that uh, it's hard to overcome that because you've been, you've been doing it for so long and it's like a habit almost and you want to, and you, and you try to, and at some points it works in your life and you think I can get over this and I can work through this on my own. And then finally, at some point, it's, it breaks down and then um, it breaks you. And and then all of a sudden, there's really just a shell of yourself. And then you make decisions and you do things that aren't really that aren't really you um, or what you really want or have your best intentions. But yet they feel like they're the right thing for you to do. And um, so I think I think a lot of I'm sorry to interrupt. I, no, I, I, just wanted to, I wanted to make a point that. I think a lot of um, wrestlers, you know, we're, we're a prideful group. We are, um, it's all about never showing, never showing weakness. And what, what would you say to help wrestlers that maybe do struggle with dark times and depression, um, suicidal thoughts, or just, just going through really difficult times in general and being conditioned to not show weakness and ask for help. How would you say, you know, as in the situation that you found yourself in and that you continue to battle with, What's your advice to those of us stubborn wrestlers who never want to show that we're tired or weak um, to do the important thing and take care of their mental health? Well, um, see, that's even hard for me to answer because that's still something I try to figure out every day. Um, you know, I, I just learned the other night that, um, you know, I think the other night from, from someone that, you know, vulnerability sometimes is stronger than than trying to keep everything in and trying to quote unquote be strong when really you just hurt yourself um so i think it's 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 i think it's really it comes down to um who do you trust and trusting someone that you can open up to and be honest with um and 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 being vulnerable in that moment and i think it's even more important um for someone that if someone does initiate that to um to um approach that with open arms and, um, and listen. And I think that's, that's a big thing. I think, I know for me at the time when I, I moved in with Mike actually after that incident, and that, I think that was a big thing. He just listened to me speak and, um, and just talked about things. Um, and I also got a, you know, I got in to see a therapist as well and did the same thing there and, and really, and that's where I really got to dig into my, um, into you know what was going on and um and help with some situations and like I said I'm still dealing with a lot of things so I mean I don't have all the answers but I do think that's one. So just being able to be well you know ha- having someone at the very least to open up to and you know it's it's better to be vulnerable than to hold stuff in I think you know as and myself advice that I advice that I've given or ways that I've described to people I feel like you know this is related but unrelated I relate. Like, um, you know, when you want to talk about love in a relationship, whatever it may be, love is love is being completely vulnerable to another person, but in, but trusting them to not hurt you. And I think there's strength in that. And there's something to be said when, you know, when it comes to a situation like this, where, you know, it, it, there is more power in vulnerability than there is in, in stubbornness and keeping things in. So I appreciate you opening up about that. I know wrestlers are a group of people that have a lot of things that they struggle with. Everybody does, but I would say wrestlers is a unique group. And, you know, we're, we're, we're probably among the more stubborn athletes that don't want to show 
the weakness and, you know, it's important to do that, um, you know, before it could be too late. So like I said, I do appreciate you opening up about that. Thank you. No problem. Um, now the next year you took fifth, um, after you lost to Snyder in the semis and you said, um, and I quote, you know, you, you, you did everything wrong that year. And that was your, that was your proof that you did everything wrong. Um, what did you mean by that? And what changed? Because obviously you came back and won two national titles, made an Olympic team, placed in the Olympics, placed in the world championships. You know, clearly you made some changes. What was wrong and what changed? Well, like I said before, you know, I think that I was, I was using wrestling in the wrong way. I think, mm-hmm. you know, and this is like, and maybe I wasn't thinking about it at the time or nothing, but like looking back on it, you know, like I said, I was trying to bury a lot of things and, um, I was just not doing things right with my life. I was living my life wrong off the mat. Um, and I'm a big advocate for like how you live your life off the mat is going to affect you on it. That's something I've learned since I was, and, you know, since I was uh, young. And so, I mean, and uh, I think that year was a great test to that. I think the, those two years for my sophomore and junior year are, are big points where that that's proof of that, you know, um, but I just lived my life completely wrong. I did things bad, you know, as a, as a person, as a man, um, as a student, um, just nothing was, nothing was, uh, done. And even if things weren't done wrong, they weren't done to my full, my full potential or to my full efforts. Um, For sure. so, I mean, I, I just, you know, and I did things like, you know, I took shortcuts and I, and I took shortcuts, you know, so I did things wrong and then and I lived my life wrong. And so then that caused me to take shortcuts in my training. And since I took shortcuts in my training, I would look to take shortcuts in matches. And then, and then I took shortcuts in matches and then, I started, you know, and I, I went undefeated and everybody thought everything was great because I was going undefeated through the regular season. Um, but I think even myself, even though I didn't want to believe it or I didn't believe it, I, I still like a part of me knew that it was only a matter of time before it caught up to me. And, um, you know, then I ended up wrestling Kyle Snyder in, in the semis. Um, and, you know, still, was, you know, I didn't wrestle my best in that match. It still was a good match. It was a close match. And then um, but still, you lose, and then I remember being on my knees actually in NCAA's, and um, and I and I didn't want to believe it so much that, you know, I, I remember I went back in the back and I had to wrestle Macintosh next, and I and I seriously didn't even want to be on the mat at that point in time, um, and then I ended up dropping that match to Macintosh go to decide whether or not I'm going to go for third or fifth, um, and then um, I remember talking with the coaches and you know. It's just like you know, you got you want to end this on a high note, you know, finish this this tournament out um, to what you want it to be, and um, and then I struggled, and then in a match of which I struggled in, um, I finally came back to beat then Connor Hartman um, for fifth, and uh, and then past that, I remember I went back and I talked to my coaches, and um, and we said we had to make some changes, um, and I and I'm and I had this man. I came into them and I talked to them. And I'm like I, I got to make some changes because I did not want to feel like that again, um, or that feeling of uh, almost being like lost, and um, you know, and not even not even shocked at the results. But like I don't want to feel that where like I knew, especially when I because it's one way when you feel like oh I knew I was like when I said at Worlds I expected to be here. I did the work here. It was almost like I expected to be there and I was in denial about it. Yeah. Um, you know where I was on the wrong end and so I went back and I talked with them and um you know I said I want to make some changes this is what I want to do here's how I want to commit to it and um this is where I want to go for next year 
And the next year, it was like you saw a completely different person on the mat. And, and I think even off the mat as well, I think people saw a different person. You know, you saw someone who was, who was very confident, who was walking out there and, and, and knew that I could do what I, whatever I wanted to do. I could go as, as far as I needed to go and do everything I needed to do. And off the mat, I was putting my full efforts towards everything as a, as a person, as a student, um, whatever it is I needed to do. I was doing what I had to do um, to become the, the best at whatever it is I was doing and put my best foot forward. And there were days I struggled. Don't think every day was easy. I mean, it was a, it was, it was a reminder every day. I had to remind myself that, you know, what I was aiming for and what the goal was and what I wanted. Um, and, and, and once, and, uh, I remember I, I was speaking into truth, everything that I wanted. So I remember I would say to myself, this is what I want. This is what I'm going to do. This is where I'm going to be. And, um, that's yeah. some law, that's, that's some law of attraction stuff right there. <laughs> basically you know i was i was just like trying to just put everything out there and and and, and that's saying it and and believe in it and, and put my full effort in it. so so we say a lot of the time you know people say fake it till you make it really it's fake it till you feel it um you know so whether it's based on like what you were saying speak it into existence you know for those of you if you want to if you want to act confident you need to look confident because how you look is going to influence the way that you feel. So like you said, coming out there looking and acting differently, you know, being able to speak those things into existence, you know, everything plays, plays a, everything plays a role. So I hope again, those of you that are listening are thinking about how this relates to your own life and you know, how you're not alone and how you feel in these sort of situations. And even guys at the highest level, even guys that you would never think struggle with these sort of things, everybody struggles. One of the last questions I'm going to ask Jaden has to do with, you know, exactly that. People think that once you get to these national championship, world championship levels, that nerves and confidence and, and being able to relax under pressure just dissipates. It's not, you know, the hero and the coward feel the exact same thing. The difference is how you actually deal with it. So um, those are all great points. Uh, Jane, in 2016, you know, you qualified for the Olympics, um, <clears throat> by beating David Taylor in the finals amidst injury. Um, I heard, I, I read, or I heard somewhere that you, you originally didn't even want to compete in the, uh, in the Olympic trials, but somebody convinced you and you agreed to do it under some certain conditions. Can, can you tell me and tell me about that and take us through what it took for you to finish those matches? Um, and, you know, ultimately like what helped you focus on, on being able to finish strong in those matches. Obviously you were in a lot of pain. Well, that, that was in 2017 that I faced David. Oh, Um, 17. Sorry, sorry, sorry. Yeah. So in 2017, no, I totally wanted to go to the world team trials in 2017, 2016. I definitely didn't want to go. I didn't want to go to Olympic trials. That's Um, what it was. Yeah. So, I mean, well, the Olympic trials. So at the time, you know, I, um, let's just say like my body just needed rest. You know, I had already, I had some, I I don't want to say necessarily they were injuries at the time, but, you know, I was, I was just not in the greatest place physically. Um, mentally, I was fine. You know, like that was the same year. Like I said, I was rebuilding myself and I had rebuilt myself. I just you know, accomplished my, um, my goal, um, becoming a, a national champion once again. And so I didn't want to go at first. And I remember talking with Smith and he's trying to convince me. I'm like, you know what, man, I just, I just don't really want to. Um, and he was like, no, you, you got to, you can do this. You can make 86. You know, like you, you got this, um, you know, we'll, we'll train you, take a couple, take like a couple weeks off and then uh, come back and we'll train for it and you can, you can do this. And so um, I was like, all right, fine. So then um, that was when I believe the Olympic trials were on April 9th that year. Um, I'm not completely sure on that, but I remember, and I always get this crud because uh, people were 
saying like, oh, because I said this in my interviews, I said that I only trained for two weeks for it and I didn't really even want to be here. That's the flat out truth. I mean, you can believe it. You cannot. I'm not trying to impress you. That's just what happened. Um, I didn't want to be there and I trained for two weeks for it. And, um, you know, I went out there and I just gave it my best. You know, I still had the mindset that I had um, going through the whole year of like, I want this is what I want to do. Um, and this is what I want to be. And at that point, it changed from being the national champion to I want to be the best wrestler that I can be and, um, and push myself. And, um, you know, and I, and I was put on a, and I was put on a stage. It was more so like, I just want to test myself against some of these great wrestlers. You know, that bracket was amazing that year. You know, you had Kyle Dake, you had me, you had, uh, David Taylor, you had Ed Ruth, you had Jake Herbert, you had, uh, Keith Gavin, you had Clayton Foster, you had, uh, you know, Deron Wynn was there. I mean, yeah, you had a lot of national titles, all Americans. I mean, at that point, it was just like, you know, throw myself in the fire and let's see what's going to happen. And a lot of people thought I was going to get torched. And, you know, they had every reason slash right to believe that. But um, and, you know, but I showed up just like everybody else. I stepped on the scale like everybody else and I was ready to go just like everybody else. And I put my best foot forward and, you know, I wrestled my butt off and and happened to win. And and that was that. What do you th- what do you feel like was your mental edge that weekend? Um, you know what what separated you? You were you know like you said in a stacked stacked weight class, and you had only prepared for two weeks because that's that's just the way that you wanted to go about it. And you know what allowed you to be successful, especially mindset wise. Like what allowed you to be successful that weekend? You know you wanted to be the best wrestler that you can be, but you know in the in, in the midst of in the midst of all that competition and you know the things prior to what separated you. Well, I think that for me, it was, uh, I think a big thing was that I, I, I remember I used to, I'm not sure if I used to, I still do it, but, um, every, every before every match, um, I do, I, I say one, I say a prayer and it's a very short prayer. And it's the only, the only thing it is, is me asking, um, is me asking God to allow me to wrestle to the best of my ability, um, that, that you've blessed me with. And, um, and, you know, I think for me, like when I when I when I say that, it's almost kind of like I'm I'm taking up an, an oath slash a badge, like like I'm going to do whatever it is I need to do to be where I, to get where I want to go or get where I'm get where I'm trying to be. And so, I mean, like that's kind of like my mindset going into these matches, you know, like I'm I'm going to fight, scratch, you know, rip through, do whatever it is I have to do to get where I'm going, I, you know, as, and it's not like a, it's not, it's not as violent as I'm saying, making it sound. Um, but it's more of like at peace kind of audio because, you know, I really enjoy what I'm doing and I have fun with it. And then when you're having fun with something, it's not work. Um, it's not, it's not, uh, it's not something that burdens you. Um, and it's something that you're willing to go all out for. It's kind of like, I don't know. Have you ever played like a pickup basketball with your game with your friends? And this game means nothing to the world. It means nothing. You guys are going to play this game. It means absolutely nothing. Yet you give your full on effort towards it. Mm-hmm. Because absolutely. You're having fun. It's kind of like that. And um, I think that was the thing. I was just enjoying it. I was enjoying the challenge, the um, having to embrace, you know, um, the walls that I had to punch through, um, the tough matches I had to do, um, the people that I was I was going against. Um, I had I, I enjoyed the. The, the things people had to say before and after events and which before saying I couldn't make the team and then after saying I wouldn't meddle it. I enjoy it. I, I push, I push myself to um, surpass it. And really the having fun of it kind of, it, it puts that stuff almost like in the back seat because now it's just, you go out there and you just do what you do and you, 
and you kind of just, I don't know, it's like floating almost really. I think that was a really good description. Um, I think one of the things that I grabbed from that is talking about, you know, when you're able to focus on the fun and the process that, you know, you kind of, it doesn't feel like work. I talked a lot about that in my gratitude podcast with Kyler. And, you know, when you talk about when you're grateful for things, it's easier to have fun. There's less pressure. I make the, I make the remark all the time, you know, you know, guys think of how everyone describes Penn state. You know, what do these guys do? They're always having fun. They're so relaxed. What's wrestling is like the fourth or fifth thing on their priority list. It's, you know, God, family, uh, ends and then wrestling, wrestling, something that they enjoy and what people don't get and the way that I may, I feel like I'm able to relate it a little bit easier is I was like, think about fishing. You know, let's say this group of, of kids really enjoys fishing. You can fish all day. You can ice fish all day free. Um, catch nothing, but give it all that you've got and have no complaints. If you come home empty handed, very few people could say the same about a wrestling tournament, show up, cut weight, go Owen two, but go home being thankful for the opportunity that they got to wrestle. And I remind them, I say, okay, think about that. Now think about what happened to Mark Hall last year, how Mark Hall can lose in the NCAA finals, what he was working for all year. And then he goes 10 minutes later and he's the first one to jump in Bo Nichols arms because he's so proud of his teammate. You know, I think that takes that perspective where you can, where, you know, one gratitude and two, wrestling is a, is something that's fun that they enjoy. So they don't have that feeling that, you know, a failure. There's like, ah, this is like, this sucks. I lost, but right. I'm so happy for my teammate. Well, so, you well, know, I think that you put that well. Letting something drive you and push you and then letting something weigh you down. Um, there's a huge difference between those two things. And really, um, you know, I think that it's almost like failure is, is inevitable. Everyone is going to fail at some point in time in their life. Disappointment is, is your control is what you have control of, right? Um, disappointment is lingering in that failure. And that's what's unhealthy. That's what, that's what can destroy your mindset. That's what can destroy people's. I think some people has destroyed their careers. Um, so failure is inevitable. You're going to fail at some point in time. You're not perfect. You know, even though some people may want to want to believe that, but, um, you know, it, it's just not the case. So it's going to happen, but disappointment is lingering in that failure. And that's something that just cannot exist. I think you guys that are listening, you know, go listen to Jordan Burroughs when he lost in the Olympics. Go listen to Kyle Snyder this last time when he lost in the world championships. Kyle, what does this loss mean to you? And he was like, nothing. <laughs> it's just wrestling. You know, wrestling doesn't define me. Uh, I'm going to make some adjustments. You know, it sucks to lose. But, you know, uh, I would, you know, he was – there was no regret. There was no um, – there was no, like you said, that lingering feeling was not there. It's like, ah, I lost. I lost a wrestling match. Like, it's as if he lost his, you know, he, 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 he lost a, a possession of his. Like, ah, no worries. No, no yeah. get another one. Like, right, there'll sure. be many I mean, more. I mean, obviously, and I hope people don't take this wrong. Like, it meant something to him, but it wasn't going to break him. It didn't change who he was. Right. Who he was. It exactly. Right. Wrestling his doesn't parents define are still going to love him. We're still going to love him. Everything's, everything's, he's still one of the greatest wrestlers of all time. Like, you know, it's, um, it's, it's not something that's going to def define him. Like you said, it's not going to, it's not going to change anything about who he is as a person, how he carries himself. I find that very, that comes very natural to wrestlers that are deep in their faith. You hear Jordan, um, Kyle, 
Helen, um, you know, guys like you, you hear those things. Uh, even Jack Mueller, after he lost in the NCAAs last year, I ran into him at, at B-dubs and I, you know, I was talking to him. I was like, Hey man, I hope you don't take, you know, your, your, you know, what happened this weekend too hard. He's like, nah, not at all. He's like, I was upset of course, but you know, it's uh, wrestling doesn't define me. And what jo- I think what Jordan said when he lost the Olympics was so, um, so true. And I wish, and I hope people listen to it or if they haven't listened to it again, he's like, I'm going to go home. He's like, I got a God that loves me. I have a wife that loves me. I have kids that love me. He's like, I'm upset that I lost. And I feel, you know, um, uh, you know, of course I wanted to win, but there, I have so many things to, to be grateful for. And, uh, you know, this is, this isn't going to hold me back. And I hope if, if more people were able to take that approach, we would have, I feel like not just a lot more success in our life, but people would be happier. And again, people ask, well, well, what if I'm not, you know, what, what if faith isn't my thing? Well, you don't have to be, this is going to come and I'm going to give uh, Kyler up. I'm going to give you credit. Um, it's not about just faith. Your, your focus has to be on something like your primary priority has to be on something. That's an absolute truth. It's right. unchanging. And faith is probably the strongest example, but you know, if you're, if you're centered around wrestling, well, wrestling has, has highs and lows and is out and, you know, is often outcome right. driven versus God and family and friendship and love. Those things are, are absolute. Well, truths. I mean, wrestling is a sport. I believe that's built for, for built for a Christian outlook. I really, I really do believe that. And, and here's why, because you put so much time and effort and so much grind and so much there's so much you go through as a wrestler and then you go out and you perform and you may win the world title or national title, state title, whatever it is. You go out there and win this for very little recognition of it. Um, mm-hmm. you know, so you do all this for a little recognition, but in that you're not, you know, the glory isn't for you, you know, it's for the one you serve. Um, so it's kind of like almost the sport is almost set up. To, to then glorify, you know, glorify God. And so, I mean, I, I truly believe like it, it is set up for you to, to succeed in the manner of, of remembering, you know, who blessed you with these opportunities, these talents, um, your mindset, mm-hmm. your love for what you do um, with what you have around you. Um, so that, I think that's an awesome thing about the sport. And I think when you talk about faith, you know, it's funny because for me, the two biggest things for me, especially are fun and faith. Fun because it frees you. It makes you free in whatever you're doing. Um, there's no change, no, no chains, no weight, no nothing. You're just completely out there. Also, like I said, it's like you're floating and you're just enjoying it. Faith, because when things do get grind, you get hard and get grindy. Um, as, as Kevin Jackson, like to say, things get sticky. Um, when things get hard and you have to push yourself to a level that you may not have yet touched and or reached faith is the thing that, that relieves you and frees you of the fear to do that. Um, Faith is the right. bridge. And so it, it almost lights the path. It, well, it almost helps you walk the path where there is no light because you've never been there before. All right. Oh, that sounds good. I like the sound of that. Yeah. I like the sound of that a lot. Guys, I want you all to think about this right now. You know, when he's talking about, you know, the importance of, uh, of how faith relates to wrestling, you know, and how wrestling is, is a sport that's built, you know, for uh, a Christian athlete and glorifying God. What's your purpose? Like, why do you wrestle? Is it, 
you know, is your purpose outcome driven or is it based on an absolute truth? Is it something to do you wrestle to glorify God to make the best version of yourself? Or, you know, do you wrestle for things that um, are not absolute truths that are conditional? And if you can figure out what's your purpose, what's your why, you know, that's where whether it be your Christian faith or whether it be your faith, your faith in general, whether it be just something that is not conditional. That's where in difficult times you can remember that purpose and that and that'll be that light that guides you. So that was a really eloquent way to say that. I uh I like that a lot. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.